welcome to the Wellness and Chill podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Schultz, certified nutrition coach specializing in helping women gain muscle, take care of their gut health, and gain confidence along the way. Each episode, I'll be discussing wellness topics ranging from nutrition, fitness, mental health, and how we can all work to get closer to our authentic selves. I might even bring on a few special guests along the way. Thanks for taking the time to listen today, and I can't wait to get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to episode eight of the Wellness and Chill podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about anxiety, my experience with it, some tips that I've learned throughout my journey, um, you know, from different self-help books, different videos, experimenting with different therapists, kind of everything that I've learned, um, as well as my overall kind of relationship with anxiety, because anxiety has been something that I've literally dealt with for as long as I can remember. And it's a constant kind of just learning process of how to navigate those feelings, those sensations, and just kind of just learning to change your mindset around and just cope through those types of feelings. So I think that now is honestly the perfect time for me to record this episode because for the past two weeks, I've kind of been in this really bad, anxious spiral, I guess you can say. Um, And I'm finally kind of overcoming it and just moving forward and really trying to cope and heal from it. So like I said, there's no better time than now just to talk about all of this. So I do want to give just a quick like trigger warning. I don't think I'm going to get like too deep or too dark, Um, but I do want to just kind of give that Um, From the start, because I'm not exactly sure where this episode's going to go, I do want to get somewhat deep, I guess, into my own experience, my past experiences, um, and everything like that. So I do just want to throw that out there before we begin. So as I kind of mentioned, the past like two weeks have been a little bit difficult for me as far as anxiety and my mental health goes. I shared a little bit about it on my Instagram page, Michaela underscore nutrition underscore. And a lot of people are able to relate whenever I kind of open up about certain struggles I'm going through or any kind of like mental blocks I'm experiencing. I'm always surprised by the number of people that reach out to me either in the comments or the DMs and kind of experience similar feelings and sensations. So it's always good to know that you're not alone. And honestly, that's why I think it's so important to open up and share about these types of things every once in a while, because it can really help other people. And just in the fact of knowing that, you know, what they're experiencing isn't just unique to them, like there are other people out there. And, you know, social media can do a really good job at kind of hiding that and covering that up a lot of the time. So I really try to be as authentic as possible on there as as long as I'm still kind of keeping some things private to myself, obviously, just because I don't want to explain everything out there. But I like to give just kind of a brief overview of what I'm going through so other people who might be going through similar things know that they are not alone. So... I am recording this podcast. It is April 11th. Um, It's right around lunchtime right now. Um, And hopefully, you know, next week when you're actually listening to this and this is live, I will kind of be in a lot um, calmer mindset and just be feeling a lot better. But 
Basically, the past two weeks have been just a little bit challenging for me. Um, I think one of my biggest anxieties is always revolves around health. So I have really bad health anxiety, and anytime I kind of experience some sort of health issue or physical sensation, that really will rev up my anxiety. So not only will I have sort of the physical symptoms, but I also will tend to get like the anxious symptoms, which in turn makes the physical worse and so on. So I've been stuck in that spiral um, for a pretty long time, honestly, I'd say like the past two weeks. Um, And it's always hard when I get in these spirals sometimes to get out. And that's something that I'm trying to work on is just trying to, you know, get out of these spirals a little quicker because like I said this has been going on for like two weeks I'm finally starting to feel a lot more calm and just like clear-headed so and that just honestly happens by going through all the feelings I think like I don't think that there's one way to really just jump over all that and avoid those feelings Um, at least for me I think sometimes I just have to go through it you know, cry when I have to cry, freak out when I have to freak out, but then also, you know, take a step back and really try and challenge my thoughts and think more logically. Um, For example, the past few weeks I've been having just really weird symptoms that no doctor has really been able to figure out. Um, I've just been super, super thirsty, super, super hungry, And when I say super hungry and super thirsty, like I mean super hungry and super thirsty. Like I've been drinking over a gallon of water every single day and I still feel like I'm dehydrated. Um, I will be eating food and I literally can't get, feel like I can't get enough. Like my stomach physically feels hungry. So, you know, you turn to Google in those situations and that's always the worst thing that you can do when you have any sort of health anxiety or are prone to anxiety in general, because Google is filled with, you know, the scary stories and the scary self-diagnosis of, you know, you're dying. Or in this case, one of the main things was diabetes. So I know diabetes runs really strong in my family, so that's always something that I have to think about, you know, even though I do eat healthy for the most part and am very health conscious, there are some things that, you know, it's possible that genetics win. So in this case, I thought maybe I had diabetes, but I got a bunch of tests done, still nothing. I even took a visit to the ER, Um, literally still nothing. Um, Then I started getting dizzy and just feeling overall like not well. You know, I tested negative for COVID. I got all the tests done. I got, you know, three rounds of blood work. Literally everything was fine. So I think the scary part for me is always just not knowing what's going on um, with my body in these sorts of situations. Um, So luckily those symptoms have really kind of died down and I'm feeling a lot better. Um, however, you know, I was going to so many different doctor's appointments those uh, during that week, and I wasn't really getting any answers, which was both frustrating and just exhausting, to be honest, not having any sort of answers and still feeling pretty bad. Um, but I'm feeling a lot better with that now. I'm having some other strange symptoms, um, but again, I got them all checked out. Nothing is really you know, sticking out to the doctors. 
Um, right now, I'm kind of treating a blocked ear tube. Um, so I'm currently taking steroids and just trying to get all that cleared up and opened out. But, you know, that causes dizziness and vertigo, which causes me, my anxiety to go through the roof. And so that's kind of what I've been dealing with right now. Um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this next week, when it goes live, I will, you know, my I'll be able to hear good out of my ear and I'll be enjoying the Easter holiday with my family and everything will sort of work itself out because it always does. Um, but something that has really been helping me these past few weeks is being connected to other people. So talking to my friends, talking to my boyfriend, staying in close contact with my family, just kind of talking through your frustrations is sometimes just so therapeutic. Like even me making this podcast is always so just kind of soothing and relaxing. Just being able to um, voice the things that I'm feeling and get it kind of out and off of my chest is always just a good release. And if you don't really want to, you know, share your business with other people or whatever it may be, maybe you don't have someone real close to you that you feel like you can trust, then it's always, you know, a good um, technique to just try and write it all down and journal and fill pages and pages upon pages until, you know, you feel like you've kind of released everything and, you know, you can repeat that as many times as you need to. So that's always a really good tool. But I do want to talk about kind of my overall experience with anxiety um, and also some tips that I've learned along the way, because like I said, I've have gone to therapy in the past. I've tried like different programs. I've read so many different books and I'm always trying to, you know, work on self-improvement and just overall challenge kind of myself into working in towards a more healed version of myself, I think, and not letting past traumas kind of affect me and you know, it is definitely a process and it's not an easy one. So, but I do just kind of want to talk about, like I said, my experience. So I have had anxiety, like anxious tendencies, I guess you could say, since I was very young. Um, I remember my mom brought me to my first therapist when I was probably like, I would say like 13 years old. Um, at that time, I wasn't open to talking to anybody. So it was pretty unsuccessful. Um, me being that young, I didn't really know why I was there, I guess. And the doctor or the therapist would ask me, you know, like, oh, like, how have you been? What's going on? And I would always just say, oh, nothing. Like, I'm good. Um, and I mean, my mom, I guess, saw it more than me that I wasn't really good. I mean, as a kid, you know, you have these certain patterns and tendencies that, you know, you're not putting two and two together that, okay, maybe, um, for example, this is an example of something that I did when I was younger that now I can clearly see, you know, why my mom was maybe a little bit concerned and wanted to help me um, by sending me to therapy. But I had really bad OCD tendencies when I was young. Um, so something that I would do literally every single night, I would have to, as I'm laying in bed, I'd have to wake up and go downstairs, check my backpack and make sure everything was in it. Make sure my lunch is packed, double check like three times. Like I would go up and down the stairs from my bed downstairs to my backpack probably three times a night, just like double checking. Cause I was always paranoid that I'd like forget my homework or something. 
um, or that I'd forget my lunch. And it was all like, it did, I guess, take a toll on me. But as a kid, like that was the biggest thing that was stressing me out. Like now as an adult, it's like, okay, there's a lot more, you know, important things. But as a kid, like I didn't really think anything of it, I guess. But yeah, starting like young, I had really bad OCD, just constantly checking things. Or I'm trying to think of another example. Like I would feel as though like if I wouldn't do a specific, I don't know, a specific thing before uh, going I don't know, like going somewhere, like I'd have to say these little things or else I would feel like, you know, I was going to have bad luck. Like I always just felt like I had to, everything had to be perfect. And I just had really bad like OCD around that. And I guess, you know, that is a little bit, I mean, I think as kids, like I talk to other people about this and a lot of people I've talked to have had like similar kind of experiences just manifesting in different ways. Um, Around that time, I also had like this irrational fear of restaurants and my parents never really understood why. And I honestly don't even know, like I would just physically get sick every time I would go to a restaurant without even eating anything. And it was just because I would get like so anxious in there and I had it in my mind that the food there was going to make me sick. So I would never even order anything. So I also had that kind of thing like around food, like I had this fear that food was going to make me sick. Like, for example, if I had an apple and there was like a little brown spot on it, I would think that that entire apple is unedible. Like I can't eat that apple or I'm going to get sick. When now, like, you know, like you could just cut off that little piece of brown and, you know, the whole apple is fine. Um, But that is something that I think drove me to therapy the very first time. But as I mentioned, I wasn't open to it. I didn't know why I was there. I was kind of mad that I was there. Like, you know, I'm 13 years old and I'm, you know, in therapy and it just didn't, it felt like it was something that was so big, you know, like you think therapy and you think that you have to have something really, you know, wrong or, you know, you're crazy or, and I think, you know, now therapy is becoming a lot more normalized and I'm so thankful for that because, like I said, back then, I like I thought I was crazy that my mom was sending me to therapy and that something was so wrong with me. And uh, and now I'm able to see that, okay, like she was just trying to help and literally give me the, you know, the tools that I might need to, you know, carry with me for the rest of my life. And I'm very thankful that, you know, the um, the thought that she did put into that But like I said, unfortunately, I just wasn't open to it at that point. So it really didn't do anything for me because I just naturally didn't talk to the therapist. And we would end up just kind of playing like board games at the end of each session, I remember, just because I wasn't open. So it was a lot of, you know, my mom coming in then and kind of telling her what was going on because I wasn't. So but I guess the moral of that story is if you're not open to it, and you're not, you know, going into therapy with an open mind, then it probably won't do much for you. Um, And I think it is also super important to point out that, you know, you don't have to stick to one therapist forever. Uh, I have tried literally probably 10 different therapists throughout my entire life. Um, A lot of them I've gone to maybe one or two times and I'm like, I automatically knew like we just weren't clicking or it wasn't going to be a good, I guess, you know, 
relationship between us. So I would just go to a different one. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, they kind of expect that because they want you to really, you know, seek care from somebody who you feel comfortable with and that they feel confident that they can, you know, help you with whatever specific, you know, concerns you may be having or whatever it may be. Fast forward a few years later, uh, you know, middle school wasn't too bad for me. Things seemed to, you know, my anxiety levels were at bay. I wasn't super stressed as a middle schooler. Um, But then high school hit and everything sort of changed. For me, it was a huge adjustment just going from a small middle school where I was literally with those kids since kindergarten and we were all like super close, like everybody literally knew everybody. And then I went to a high school with, God, I don't even know how many kids, like we had over 850 students in our graduating class. So it was a huge school and that was a huge adjustment to me because we were thrown in with, you know, up to the seniors when I'm a freshman and there were just so many people and I didn't know everyone like I barely knew anyone I guess you can say like in my classes it was a very big adjustment and that's kind of when my anxiety started to peak again I would say like ninth grade was really bad just that initial adjustment um after that you know things did calm down for you know 10th grade I would say Um, You know, throughout high school, I had just certain episodes, I guess, of anxiety, but it wasn't a constant kind of theme throughout my high school experience. Um, Like I said, I definitely did experience it, but that, you know, time period aside of ninth grade, I don't really remember it being, you know, traumatic in any way. Um, It was all, you know, definitely had the moments, um, but overall, it was a pretty good experience. But then when we want to talk about college, (laughs) that's kind of where the anxiety peaked. And I would say like I started having the worst anxiety that I've ever had in my life. Um, I was starting to get panic attacks, um, really bad like physical anxiety symptoms. Um, I was even just like sitting in a math room. Um, Okay, hang on. How do I want to say this? I feel like I have so many different thoughts like racing through my brain right now that I don't really know where to begin. So let's just start from the beginning of college. So for me, I didn't really know what I want to do, um, but I ended up going to this one college for nutrition and dietetics. And obviously, huge adjustment. It's the first time I'm moving out and I don't know anybody. I'm literally starting this whole new basically life, Um, not knowing anybody, living by myself. I'm an only child. So it's literally been like the first time that I've been um, like away from people and, and like away from my parents and everything. We're super close. So it was a huge adjustment. And I would say like the first very first month of school was super hard for me. Just the adjustment. I remember like literally crying. I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I move here? Like, I don't really know anybody. Um, And it was just, again, it was kind of like that transition from middle school to high school happening all over again, where, you know, I got comfortable where I knew all these people. And then I, again, just kind of switched it up and went to this completely different school where I don't know anybody and it hit me. So that was really hard. Um, Not only like the first month, 
that's when it was the hardest. But this kind of was a constant theme throughout my entire college um, experience. So I was in college for two years and I would say literally those entire two years were so difficult for me. Um, you know, I had different challenges throughout that time, but that's the first time that I actually experienced my first panic attack. And I don't remember my first one per se. I think I was actually, I remember one that stands out to me and I was taking a test in my math class and I, all of a sudden I got like super dizzy. Like I felt kind of numb. My hands felt numb. Like I couldn't write. My lips felt kind of numb. Like I thought I was experiencing some sort of health issue. Like I was going to physically pass out. So that was like a horrifying experience for me because I thought I was going to like pass out in front of everyone. And in that moment, my anxiety like just shot through the roof because of that fear. And after that, like I've gone to so many different doctors and got tested out. Like, why did I almost pass out in class? Because I was convinced it was some sort of physical issue. Um, but everything came back normal, like everything was fine. So then I just started learning that anxiety can really manifest in different physical ways, such as, you know, sweating, dizziness, blurred vision, headaches, like digestive issues, like literally everything you can think of. Anxiety can really manifest in physical ways um, because of that vagus nerve, the gut brain connection and everything like that. It's super, super strong and it can be, you know, debilitating at times. And that's how it felt after that initial panic attack. That's kind of where it all started, where I think, you know, I was scared of that happening again. And because I was constantly like scared and in that fear state, um, it would happen again because my anxiety was so high um, of me fearing having a panic attack that it would manifest in a panic attack. And it got so bad. I remember going to, you know, the counselor at school. I was going to therapy, um, seeing the counselor at school every week. I also went to the disability center. I'm like, look, I don't think I can take these tests in these rooms because I just, I guess, I kind of correlated the two things. Like I had my panic attack in this room taking a math test. And now every time I have a math test in this room, I'm triggering myself into a panic attack. So I actually got accommodations where I can take the test away from other people. And that was a huge game changer because then, you know, I didn't have that fear like, oh my God, like if I have this dizzy spell again and if I pass out, like everyone's going to see me. And it just took that kind of away from me, which was huge. So moral of that story, I guess, would be, you know, don't be afraid to talk to other people, talk to counselors, talk to, you know, people at your school, people will understand, um, and just see, like, don't be afraid to get accommodations if you need it. Um, while you're kind of working on, working on your anxiety, like, it's not, you know, weak of you to have to get these accommodations, and that's something, I guess, in the very beginning, I was, feeling I'm like oh, I don't want to have to go like to disability and you know make a big scene and have to walk out of the class every time I take a test and people are wondering you know like why is she leaving every time we take a test but I'm like you know those thoughts in the grand scheme of life like who the fuck cares but after you know going through that for two years straight and I'm like you know obviously not 
solely through due to mental health reasons that I left school, but that definitely did play a big part of it. Um, but that mixed with kind of just that realization that, look, I'm not even halfway done with school. I have, I'm already in so much debt. A job is not guaranteed for me at the end. I would be required to do basically a whole year of internship, unpaid internship, that I would have to find myself. And I'm just like, those two things combined, I'm like, this just isn't the right time to do school. So I did drop out just, you know, with the thought of taking a break, kind of going back. Um, but since then, I've been able to kind of build a different life for myself and go just sort of on a different path that I'm so glad that I did take because it has done wonders for my mental health. Um, I still definitely, like I said, do struggle with anxiety, um, depression. I do still get panic attacks. However, I have learned so many different tools. I think throughout the past, I don't even know, you know, 10 years of my life that I've been able to help implement and help me when I get into these spirals. Um, I am going to share some of these tips with you. Um, I think one, therapy, obviously. I think therapy is super helpful, but I do know it can be expensive. Personally, for me, right now, I could probably honestly benefit from a therapist, but it's the price. I know that is like a huge barrier for people. Um, but I am also going to give some tips of things that I've learned if therapy is not really accessible for you. So I did mention in my last podcast episode um, about some of my favorite wellness items, the book Dare by Barry McDonough. That is probably the best book I could recommend for people who have anxiety and panic attacks. In that book, it gives a few different methods that I've never heard before, you know, like Googling on online or going on YouTube, watching videos, like it always kind of gives just the most basic kind of um, tips and stuff for, you know, dealing with anxiety, like, oh, just breathe. And but this book gives some really, really powerful methods to help kind of diffuse your anxiety and manage your panic attacks. But it gives some you know, tips that you haven't heard before and they're super powerful. And that's probably like the only actual anxiety book that has made like a huge difference for me. And I couldn't recommend that book enough. Meditation is another great one. However, I know when you're in like the depth of a deep anxious spiral, it can be really hard to like slow down, stop, rationalize things. Um, and, you know, sit still during a meditation. But, you know, doing this, using meditation as a tool, not only when you're kind of deep in your anxious spiral, but even just like as a daily practice can help just turn on your parasympathetic nervous system, turn off, you know, your fight or flight mode, just help you kind of calm down and become less reactive to things. And just like I said, calming down your physical and mental mind through meditation is super powerful for both physical and mental anxiety symptoms. Um, shaking your body, moving your body, literally just shaking your arms and legs can be super helpful. And I learned that this kind of is the case. Like any sort of exercise is super helpful a lot of times for people who are feeling anxious. 
And this actually kind of roots back from when a time when our society was just in like a constant survival mode, you know, fighting off tigers or, you know, whatever wild animals. And we are just constantly in that fight or flight mode. Um, But now we don't have to deal with those things. Obviously, we're blessed that, um, you know, now our stressors are less, you know, life or death. Um, But our body and our mind just hasn't caught up to that yet so we will perceive something as stressful or dangerous so like a situation or giving a speech or you know whatever it may be something that causes us that anxiety we will see that as a major you know thing a fight or flight response will automatically turn on where we think we have to turn on survival mode and our minds just aren't good like it hasn't caught up to that like for example if you look at an animal if you know they're being almost attacked by another animal but they don't they survive the other animal goes away that event is over they're super anxious their adrenaline is there everything is crazy then their body will actually start to just like vibrate like shake after that like after that super traumatic scary event It'll shake for, you know, a few minutes and then a minute later it'll just go back to eating grass and drinking out of the lake like nothing even happened. So what I'm trying to say is they are physically shaking. They're releasing all of that excess energy and adrenaline that, you know, was pumping through their body when they were in that, you know, survival state and just trying to survive in that moment. But for us, we don't do that. Like they will automatically do that. Like they don't even have to think about that. Us, on the other hand, we have to do that physically so we can literally just shake our body like crazy and it helps to expel some of that excess energy and anxiety that we don't need. So that's actually a really good tool. Like I said, you can go to the gym, you can run, you can dance, you can just shake your body. (laughs) Um, That's why people who like tap their foot all the time when they're anxious, like they are kind of just doing that like expelling some of that excess energy. Um, Another really good tip that I learned from my therapist, actually, I think this was when I was in college and I was seeing the school therapist. She gave me this, um, this tool to help me become more present and help ground myself. So if I felt sort of like a panic attack coming on, I could slow down and just become more present. And it was through the five sense exercise. So basically, you just stop for a second and point out five things that you can see. So it could be anything in the room. Like for me, I see my laptop. I see the microphone. I see some mail on the desk. I see shoes on the ground and the plant next to me. And you can do this either out loud or in your head, depending, you know, where you are. Um, And then you want to point out four things that you can touch. So for me, I can feel like my butt on the seat. Like I can feel that. I can feel my hands on the mouse. I can feel, you know, the soft pillow next to me. Um, And I can feel, you know, the water bottle next to me. Um, Then you want to point out three things that you can smell. So right now, I honestly don't really smell much. (laughs) Um, But like... You know, for example, it might be like the freshly cut grass outside or the coffee brewing next door or um, the candle that you have across your room. And then you pick two things that you can hear. 
So right now I can hear the computer running. Um, I can also hear birds outside because I have my window open a crack. And then the last thing is one thing you can taste. So if you can't presently taste anything, like say you didn't just eat or you're not chewing gum, then just look at something near you that like you can taste. Like right here, I have some flavored water. So that would be something. And just this exercise just kind of helps you slow down, become present in where you are. It slows your thinking mind, like it turns your thinking mind off and just focuses on the present moment. So my last tip, and I think this is a huge one, is honestly and completely listening to your body. Because a lot of the times when I get into these anxious spirals, like my body does give me sort of warning signs, whether that be physically or emotionally, that, you know, now, Michaela, like now's the time to take a break and, you know, just step away, recharge, refresh, maybe take a nap. Maybe do some meditation or some tools, you know, that you've learned in the past. Maybe read a book, connect with somebody, and just do something that, you know, your body's telling you. A lot of times, you know, our body is so, 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 so smart and will tell us, gives us, gives us different signs and signals, whether it be, again, like emotionally or physically, um, you know, if we're dehydrated, it tells us we're thirsty to drink or hungry so we can, you know, get the energy we need. And it does the same thing mentally. So if you're feeling drained and exhausted, actually listen to those signs and don't just keep pushing through because if you don't stop to give your mind and body a break, it will eventually stop for you and, you know, resulting in some sort of sickness or spiral as I've been kind of in the past few weeks. So actually listening to it and giving your body what it needs because nobody knows your body like you do and you are best to, you know, catch these signs and signals that it's giving you. So that's a huge one. It's very hard to do a lot of the times because I think we're all trained just to keep go, go, go and, you know, push through, you know, you're not feeling great. Well, too bad, like do it anyway and rest later. But, you know, rest when your body needs the rest. And I promise like you're going to feel so much better after that. And it's really going to help prevent, you know, these major spirals. So that is a huge one. That is the one I think that I'm working the most on is just listening to my body. Like, for example, these past few weeks have been hard. Like, I haven't had any motivation to, you know, create any content. I didn't even have really motivation to record a podcast until now. Um, the podcast that was released last week when I was feeling this way was pre-recorded, so I didn't film or record. So this is the first time recording in a few weeks. And that's okay. But I know it's hard. It's a process that, you know, we all have to kind of unlearn and train ourselves because, again, it's just society tells us to just go, 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 go and, you know, rest later. But the sad truth is, like, there's never time to rest. You have to create the time because if you say, oh, I'll rest later, well, there's going to be something else to do later. And then you're just going to keep saying, well, I'll rest later. But that later never comes because things always fill our time. And that's just how life is. So you have to create that time. Listen to your body. You know, slow down if you have to. It's not going to kill you if you don't go to the gym, you know, five days a week. I honestly have not gone to the gym in the past two, two and a half weeks. 
And old me probably would have become anxious over that alone, you know, losing progress or whatever. But I've gotten to the point in my health and wellness journey that, you know, my mental health and physical health is way more important than, you know, striving to be perfect or hitting the gym every single day or, you know, pushing through and meeting every responsibility I might have. Like my health comes first and period, like that's it. So it is a lot of learning, a lot of unlearning, but these are the tips that really help me. Um, like I said, Dare, the book by Barry McDonough, meditation, the five sense exercise, listening to my body, connecting with others, being out in nature, super healing, just talking about your feelings, therapy, all of these things are really great tools. And if you are able to connect with a really great therapist that you know you vibe with, they're able to provide you so many different tools for your specific needs as well. So that's why I really think therapy can be great because you're also getting like, okay, actually another point I have for therapy, you're also getting kind of an unbiased perspective at, of your issues. Because I know a lot of times for me, I would say like, I don't need to spend money going to therapy. Like that's what my friends are for. Like me and my friends can talk about our issues and, you know, we serve as each other's therapists and that's great and super helpful. However, you know, they are biased. Like they know you having someone look in on your situation from someone who just doesn't know you can be so powerful and you know, your friends are always going to kind of side with you just because that's usually what friends do. I mean, if you have really great friends, you know, who you're super close with and they can say like, look, Michaela, like, do you hear yourself right now? Like, you're not making any sense. Like, this isn't going to happen. That's amazing. But a lot of times, you know, your friends are going to be biased on your side and it's really great to you know seek help from somebody who is non-judgmental who doesn't really know you who's just looking in on your situation and it can be super super helpful so that's just another thing to think about when it comes to therapy as well because I know a lot of times you know I'm like oh do, should I keep paying to see this therapist when you know I can just talk to my friends about my problems and you know another thing is like I said, therapy, you don't have to have some crazy, you know, trauma or life issue that you're experiencing to have to go to therapy. Um, literally, I think everyone should just go to therapy to try it, honestly, because there are always, you know, things holding us back and just being able to talk about those things can be so just relieving and amazing. So it's something to try. It's not for everybody, um, but I think that everyone should at least give it a try. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so this episode was a little all over the place, uh, kind of talking about my experiences with anxiety and while I'm currently going through an anxious kind of episode. So that is interesting. I'm just currently you know, like I said, slowing down, taking it day by day and not putting so much pressure on myself or making myself feel guilty if I'm not able to, you know, do the things that I do every day, like post on Instagram every other day or, you know, create content, record podcasts or just doing, you know, what I can. And that is enough. So if no one told you that today, that's enough. <laughs> Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. I would love to, you know, hear your story if you are looking to share, if you want someone to, you know, 
provide non-judgmental advice or just someone to talk to like my dms are always open so depending on what you're looking for you know reach out and i'm always here for you guys so thank you so much for listening and i hope you all have a wonderful monday